The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. I'm your host, Todd Unger, Chief Experience Officer at the AMA. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, we're joined by Warner Thomas, President and CEO of Oshner Health, and Dr. Robert Hart, Chief Medical Officer of Oshner Health. Uh, Warner, you're calling in from Washington. Uh, I know you're on Capitol Hill today looking for funding uh, as part of the effort uh, to clean up after the hurricane. Dr. Hart, you're in uh, New Orleans uh, where the action is. I'm going to start first by asking Warner, you know, how's it going on Capitol Hill as you look for funding for this effort? Well, I think there's obviously a, a lot of support for supporting you know, all the disasters that have been happening uh, across our country over the past year. Uh, certainly, there's, there's a lot of folks that understand Hurricane Ida was a very significant storm, the second largest storm to hit Louisiana in its history. Uh, so certainly, we definitely see our delegation has a lot of support. Obviously, there's a lot happening in Washington these days. And so we understand that's a complicated agenda, but we are optimistic that we will get support. We think it's important to support the hospitals and all the infrastructure that was impacted by Hurricane Ida. And once again, you need to remember, it's really not just the Louisiana issue. Hospitals in New Jersey and New York were significantly impacted by Ida as well. So this is really a multi-state uh, support package that we are trying to seek support for here in Washington. Werner, I, I can't imagine a worse combination. Uh, you're already facing a huge serve, a surge in terms of COVID. And then you find out, you know, we're expecting uh, a natural disaster uh, approaching, you know, take us back uh, to that uh, time when you are thinking about that, you know, what's going through your mind in terms of how to prepare for something like this? Well, I have to first say that the resilience of our team is simply amazing. And what they've done, you know, over the past year and a half with COVID has been, you know, incredible. They certainly are healthcare heroes. I'd also say at the same time, we've got very specific systems and protocols and how we prepare for a hurricane. You know, our team immediately moved into that system and that preparation, which has been for perfected over the last decade and a half since Katrina in 2005. So we have systems protocols, approaches that get put into place. And the team did an absolutely incredible job preparing for Hurricane Ida, and the response has been outstanding. It was a very challenging storm, challenging in a number of different ways, and certainly it was complicated with the pandemic, but the team was outstanding and our plan worked extremely well. We did have to evacuate from some facilities, which we can talk about, but the ability to move people around in our system the ability to get resources to where people needed to have those resources and to support each other across the system was executed extremely well. Well, Dr. Hart, uh, why don't we dig into that a little bit? I mean, you've got some pretty sick patients, uh, you know, the, the, the COVID pandemic on top of what your, you know, normal things that you would be facing. You've got people on ventilators, you know, very sick people, you know, how do you protect the sickest patients like that when a, a natural disaster is about to hit? And can you, can you really be fully prepared under those circumstances? Well, I think, again, goes into the planning that we've had for years for this. And I will add on this one, as you recall, this storm blew up pretty quickly. A lot of times we've got weeks to watch some of these storms come across and develop in the Gulf. This one kind of showed up and 
it was like, hey, gang, four days, this thing's going to be there. And so uh, knowing that we had the COVID patients as well that we were taking care of, we do have a lot of redundancy in our system, which again comes back from the preparation that we've made over the years. And Warner will probably hit on just improvements that we've made since Katrina with some of our generators that can run the whole hospital in addition to backup generators. So having that in place is huge. So we were able to keep a lot of those patients uh, uh, just in place with the people in place. And we've done this enough where we have teams that come in at certain times and they're here for the duration of the storm. And so it does make it, uh, having done this before, makes it easier to at least know what's expected. But to your point of being completely planning, it's difficult as we've gotten larger across different geographic areas one area may get hit a lot differently than the other. So you have to plan different. Warner, you mentioned you had to evacuate some locations. Uh, some of your, uh, your hospitals sustained damage. Can you talk about uh, the extent of that uh, that you've experienced? Yeah, certainly our, our bayou facilities uh, where the storm made landfall did receive significant damage uh, in Homa and the Raceland area in the bayou. We had to evacuate both those facilities the day after the storm made landfall. Uh, we did keep the ERs open at both of those facilities, but the inpatients were evacuated to other facilities within the auctioner system. Yeah, I will come back to um, the, the preparation. It, it, it really goes down to you know, three or four major components. You know, one is infrastructure, and that really is about power and water. If you've got power and water, you can figure a lot of other things out. But if you lose power and water, then things get difficult very quickly. All of our systems have redundancy around backup generation um, and you know, not just having a generator that can run part of the facility, but run whole facilities. And that is extremely important. Having redundancy with those generators is important. The second thing is most of our campuses, not all, most of them have wells. So they can run off of well water. And although that's not drinkable, you can flush toilets, you can have your water systems work, and that's critically important. And then the third piece of infrastructure is people having our team A teams that are in place, having facilities people that get distributed across our systems, uh, electricians, other types of facilities folks. I mean, those three components of infrastructure are very important. So then when we had the damage in the bayou, we knew that we needed to relocate patients to other parts of our system. We've got a rhythm of calls multiple times per day. So we know immediately what's happening at a system and we know what the status is at other parts of the system so we can move patients. So I would say that that, that preparation, that infrastructure was critical to our success in dealing with this storm. Is there anything that this particular storm threw at you that you were not expecting or prepared for? Well, it moved on us. Uh, so we, we thought it was gonna make a landfall in one place and it moved east. So one facility we thought we may have to evacuate is actually now uh, really the, the, the key facility in the bayou, a place in Morgan City, Louisiana. It moved east and it ended up the morning of the storm when we was going to make landfall during Sunday. We decided to evacuate a facility in what's called um, St. Charles Parish, and that was done before the storm made landfall. So that movement of the storm was, was an issue. Uh, the duration of the storm was much longer. I mean, we had 80 to 100 mile an hour winds for well in excess of 10 hours and gusts to, you know, over 100 miles an hour. So in our bayou area, those, those winds were much higher than that. So 
you know, that, that sustained wind for that period of time certainly create a significant amount of, you know, facility and roof damage and water intrusion into the facilities. Dr. Hart, uh, Warner mentioned the ER. Uh, you know, even under normal circumstances, it's a very intense place. Uh, but boy, when you have an influx like this of patients, you know, how do you manage that? So the ER was, was one of those situations where in the height of the storm, no one there. Everyone was, was away, hunkering down in their bunkers, wherever that might be. Immediately after the storm, though, you began to see all the people with their, with their chronic problems show up. For instance, the dialysis patients began to show up. And then all of the patients that, uh, uh, for instance, get out right after the storm, they go out, they're either sightseeing or they're cleaning up, obviously, because this was, this was a bad storm. We had roofs off, uh, trees down everywhere. So people go out with their chainsaws, start working. And of course, injuries happen, falling off roofs, uh, cerebral bleeds, bleeds in the head, heart attacks. Those started coming in that next day and went from very little activity in the height of the storm to just a crescendo of uh, business, you know, in that next 24 hours. So really planning for that makes it difficult, but we keep that team in the hospital to be able to prepare for that as they come in. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Warner, you mentioned you know, the, one of those three key ingredients you outlined and so important and what Dr. Hart just said, it's people. Um, you know, how, you know, what kind of assistance, you know, do you provide uh, all of the employees in your health system, both during and, and after this hurricane? And, and how did the community pitch in as well? Yeah. So you have to, you know, prepare folks. Uh, and once again, this planning starts months before hurricane season. People basically denote they're going to be team A, where they essentially will be on location and stay during the storm, or team B, where they'll evacuate and then come in days after the storm to relieve team A, or team C, folks that just remain remote. And our team A people came in the Sunday morning that the storm is going to make landfall, and basically we're in, you know, lockdown for multiple days. Um, and, you know, we provide you know, housing, uh, food, you know, all the support that they need, you know, through that situation. And the team B folks came in, you know, about four days later, but it's after the storm when you have people that have physical damage to their homes, they've got, you know, uh, they've evacuated and they've had the economic impact of that. So we have about 1500 people that are in hotels now whose homes have been impacted. We've delivered almost 4,000 uh, employees, employee assistance payments to help them in the transition. Big issue right after the storm was gas, you know, not being able to have gas. And so we opened up about 10 gas stations, if you will, at our auctioner facilities, um, delivered 250,000 gallons of gas to our employees and no charge to help them be able to come back and forth to work. 
Um, you know, Pete November, our chief financial officer, Tracy Skiro, our chief human resource officer, ran a lot of these initiatives around our employees to help support them. We opened up what's called Oshmer, and these were donations and also supplies that we bought, which personal items, toiletries, things that people need that if they had impact of their house or if they need to stay at our facilities multiple days, they run out, uh, we provide these types of services to them. So that is all part of our system. It's part of how we prepare. It's part of how we anticipate coming out of the storm. And I'd get back to that. The other piece with this is resilience of how you re ramp up out of the storm. And you know, I'll say this week, you know, we're close to back to being a hundred percent of our services, you know, just being a few weeks out from the storm. And that's uh, our team, you know, rescheduling patients, getting folks back in, working the phones and just being very disciplined about how we take care of patients because we had a lot of folks that got displaced and whose cases got moved. We need to get them back in and that that re-ramping back up and rescheduling patients is also part of our plan about how we address any sort of disaster that we face. That, I was wondering, I mean, you must have literally thousands of procedures canceled appointments. I mean, how long does it take you to kind of get back to normal with that? Now, Robert, I know, Robert, you're in the middle of rescheduling, you know, the, the surgeries and our patients. I mean, maybe you can hit a little bit of the details on that. Sure. So it is a combination of coming back from the storm, but also coming back from COVID. And let me step back just a minute. Another little nuance with this is when you bring in that team A during a storm that Warner talked about, a little different trying to do that in the middle of a pandemic. Because uh, in the past, you've got a lot of people, maybe a lot of people in the same room, close together, that sort of thing. So we had to do some different planning for this one. Had to begin to add a little bit more room, a little more distance between people, trying to make sure people were still being safe with the other measures that we need to take with, uh, with the COVID planning. So again, with the surgeries that you asked about, it's, we were certainly down on surgeries because we had had to do, as our census grew with COVID patients, we had had to redeploy people from our operating rooms into other areas of the hospital to take care of all of our COVID patients. That led to a lot of canceling surgeries, only doing those surgeries that were very time sensitive. And then the storm hits and patients leave, we're at team A, not able to do surgeries right that moment. And then bringing them back, it requires a lot of work on the part of the surgeons to prioritize the different surgeries. And not talking a hundred, like you said, we're talking thousands now. How do you prioritize those time sensitive to get those people back, get them in surgery, and then again, are the patients back? You know, they may be tier one, but they may be out of town. So again, it's circling back, making sure that work is done. And it becomes a gradual growth because we're bringing employees, redeploying them back into their normal operative area, redeploying the ORs themselves, and then getting the patients back in. So it's a gradual growth, but we've been able to do that here over the last three weeks uh, almost uh, back to, we're sitting about 85 to 90% in nearly all of our facilities. Some are back completely. That's an amazing pace. Um, one question I have for you, uh, Dr. Hart, I mean, vaccination was a challenge in Louisiana, even before the hurricane hit. Um, I know that, you know, your mitigation efforts have included a vaccine mandate for Austrian employees. 
Um, can you talk about how that was received and how vaccination efforts uh, were, were affected by the pandemic? Sure. So uh, throughout the pandemic, we've been very uh, aggressive with our testing, with our monoclonal antibody infusions, with our vaccinations, and really got off to a great start with the vaccinations. And then uh, in the springtime, I will say that just like across the rest of the country, vaccinations seemed to plateau a little bit when that third surge that we had, the third surge kind of came and went. I think there was a sense for people that maybe this is it, this is over. As we all know, the Delta variant hit and it has just really raged throughout the South. And so the vaccines went up uh, as we saw more and more people come into our hospitals. We began to see more and more sick people. I think the urgency around the vaccine increased, so it came up. So we had been talking for months. Uh, uh, Warner did a great job of, of letting people know that, look, when we get FDA approval, this is vital that we have vaccinations mandatory for our workers because we are, we're in the healthcare business. We've got to keep people safe. The other part of that is we need all of our employees at work. We can't have them out sick with COVID. So very important, the day that the FDA announced uh, that they approved it, the next day we came out and said, vaccines are gonna be mandatory. So I had a big lift right after that. Now there is a little bit of a plateau right now as we come down the stretch. So we're having one-on-one -on -one conversations now. We've kind of had the big open forums. We've got people on board there, but now it's really one-on-one -on -one conversations, trying to get one person at a time to understand and really combat so much of the misinformation out there about the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, we've still got work to go, but uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. Well, last question for both of you, uh, and Warner, why don't you start? I mean, obviously preparation has been the key to dealing with something like Hurricane Ida. Do you, do you have any other advice uh, for healthcare leaders out there about what you've learned you know, from this particular incident or those before it and anything that you might change going forward? You know, it's interesting. I, I often get asked, you know, how, how does auction respond so much to the changing market, to disasters, that sort of thing? And it really comes back to our leadership. And we've got a very defined leadership and talent management structure and process that we go through every single year to help make sure we train our people and that we do the right succession planning and that we help move people around our system. I really think that system has been the core to our success as an organization. And you know, I give the success of our Hurricane Ida response, our COVID response, our success as an organization, you know, in what's a you know, relatively tough you know, region uh, is because of our leadership and the way that we problem solve, the way we work together. So it is about, you know, adaptability. It is about, you know, problem solving and taking on challenges, whatever it is that get, you know, thrown your way. And we have, have excelled at that. And I really think it's about our people, our leadership, and that ties back to how we develop people, how we um, move people around our system, and how we provide training and education to people. Dr. Hart, any, any other advice? I would just add the adaptability and, and frequent, frequent communication, because as this storm blows through, again, all the planning you can have, you're not sure which areas, which facility, which area might be hit the worst. 
Is it going to be the wind? Is it going to be rain and flooding? So we were on the phone and had system-wide meetings twice a day, sometimes more, to make sure everyone was updated on what was going on. And then the local campuses, too, are having their meetings. So the frequent communication, people know what to do, but it's getting the message out there, making sure we've got the plan, carrying out the plan, but then being able to adapt on the fly in different areas. And Todd, I think just real briefly, I'd say that the other piece now, I mean, it's important to say, you know, we're only out about, you know, three, three and a half weeks from the storm and we're back to many of areas at 100 percent, you know, more than half of our surgeries are rescheduled. Um, our, our clinic patients are now more than half rescheduled. Um, and, you know, our, our, you know, our volumes of people that we're taking care of just continue to get kind of back on track. So that's part of the resilience and the leadership and the adaptability is being able to act that quickly and bring our organization back so quickly as well. I hear those words, preparation and resilience. Uh, it's really impressive what you've been able to do there. Uh, Warner, Dr. Hart, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedules to join us here. Thanks for your perspective. A huge and heartfelt shout out to all the folks at Oshner uh, for taking good care of the people of Louisiana. Uh, that's it for today's Moving Medicine video and podcast. We'll be back with another segment shortly. Uh, you can join us for future episodes of Moving Medicine by subscribing at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. I'm Todd Unger, and this has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Moving Medicine and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.